You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we move into another week of third watch goodness. We're up to the 17th episode of the fourth season. It is called Letting Go. If you're holding on to something right now, don't let go because that's probably a bad thing, particularly if you're on top of a building. It aired on the 17th of March, 2003, the day before I turned 16. Woohoo! Uh, it was written by W.J. Rinia Jr. It was directed by Tim Matheson, not the guy that was in a relationship with a former Australian Prime Minister. I'm assuming a director called Tim Matheson. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to this one. My name is Ben, and I lied to you. I don't feel like the life of the party. <laughs> My name's Darvell, and drive through plumbing supply store. I don't think that's going to catch on. You never know. Uh, anything's possible in 2018. That's the day we're recording this, at least. So, who knows? Yep. Anyway, if you're opening up one, then um, let us know, and you can prove us wrong. Um, yeah. yeah. Just just make sure that it's just make sure that it, it's not a car crashing into it or anything. Yeah, that's probably a, a good way to look at that one. Um, this is a decent episode, Darvell. Not the greatest, not the worst. It's there. It's a good episode. No, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It really is. It's got its moments. Um, and it's sort of, mm-hmm. I think this is a real precursor, obviously, to next week when we talk about how amazing, uh, the show is. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff setting us up for a very good episode next week, but, um, yeah, the only bad thing about this episode mm-hmm. is in the opening moments, we've got to relive a certain episode that we don't want to ever talk about again, because I have that in the previous one. Snow blind. Don't swear. <laughs> it's a fucking family show. <laughs> I just oh, wanted to give you some silence there, give you some silent treatment. Um, <laughs> let's get into some real stuff. You know I had to mess with you. Well, you like doing that. Um, Yokus is watching over Emily. Oh, yay. Um, an alarm goes off at 7am. Emily wakes up immediately and is like, Charlie, let's go. Now, I'm sorry, what 14-year-old gets out of bed as soon as the alarm sounds? I'm 31 and I don't get out of bed as soon as the alarm sounds. You would know that for uh, sure, Darvell Stewart. Yeah, uh, I would. <laughs> I would definitely know that. Um, de- I mean, sometime, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. Depended on how much sleep I got the night before and if I was in the mood to get up. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, this is, and, this is where it's so fake, uh, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just Emily stuff though. I mean, maybe I'm just getting more angry again because it's Emily again. Like if this was somebody else, like, oh yeah, that wouldn't be possible because it's Emily. I'm like, oh, it's Emily. <laughs> I don't know. Am I just being too mean? Don't know. You know, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I know you don't like this version of Emily, so. Uh, yeah. It's just you being you in this regard. Yeah, it's just me being me. That's just a, a go-to excuse for anything, really, isn't it? Uh, Yokus cooks her eggs. I want eggs. Yum. Um, but Emily is going to go to a counsellor at the end of the day, and uh, it's a way for her to get out of a grounding a little bit earlier. Yokus has taken the day off. Dad has left the truck. I do always love the fact that this truck always gets referenced. I always forget how much after winning that truck it gets referenced in it. Um, <laughs> we have Doc. He's all dressed up in his uh, nice little suit and his blues. Uh, in about a season's time, he'll also be dressed up in these, but for a different reason. Uh, and he's um, facing totally a, different reason. He's facing a panel. They're questioning him about allowing Carlos to work on that day of that episode that we don't talk about. Um, he's been told by one of the representatives to essentially kiss the ring and just say that you were wrong and move on. But, uh, Doc starts to do that, but then he says, no, fuck you all. Uh, we're, 
yeah, and and some of them, and from what I gathered, I mean, some of them rode with him. He trained some of those people. Yeah, yeah, and because they've, is it me or is that kind of a recurring thing to a certain extent in this show that the people who are making all the decisions and fucking things up for those on the street were once trained by those same people. Well, I think... And... I mean, I, I would assume that that's a real-life thing, that kind of you have certain people who go into jobs like this who go through the ranks pretty quickly, and then you have people who, I guess, are still, you know, sticking around. Like, I mean, Sully's always been a beat cop, you know. Uh, you know, Davis kind of is seeing that with people, as we saw with, uh, you know, his detective friend. And, you know, this is kind of... Doc's just stayed on the streets, I guess. Whereas, you know, other people have kind of... Yeah, I mean, a lot more people, I guess you could say, are more ambitious. Some people are luckier. Uh, you know, some people are in the right place at the right time. Some people are in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, you know, it's kind of... there's a Yeah, I think you, I think this is just a reflection on life. Uh, I mean, I've known people who have definitely advanced in their career a lot quicker than I have, and yet I would stand by the fact that I'm better at my job than they are, yet there they are in a higher position. So, um, you know, some people just do things a different way but yeah you're right like i think this is just how it happens like i mean like when like like when when Jer- when jerry resigned um left the left the emergency services in the beginning of season one and then we see him again in season three and and it's like i mean he's in a different position nothing to do with the emergency services but it's like when he's Although he at least is still looking out for Doc, but mm-hmm. Doc tells him, you know, you know, have you forgotten? Basically says, you know, have you forgotten what it's like out here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but like I said, at least with Jerry, at least he's still trying to help Doc. These people at these people downtown, who some of them worked with Doc or were taught by Doc. They have seemingly forgot, seemingly forgotten what it's like out on the street, which I think is an important thing for them to showcase because I'm sure again this is a reflection in real life. And you know, I, I like that sort of line when Doc's like saying, like, you know, on your first day you couldn't start an IV. You know, you were partners with me back in the you know the 80s, and you said I was the best teacher you've ever had. So it's kind of important that, and this I think is also a good starting point for what we're going to see. I guess moving from the end of season four into season five with some of the Doc stuff that we get. Uh, where, you know, there kind of is a bit of a position change with him. So, and I think it's obviously important that these people have that notion of what's important on the street as mixed with policy. Because, I mean, this is, again, it's a real-life thing. We've all been in jobs where we experience certain things, you know, out there, but you've got people above you who are telling you how to do things. And, you know, there is always that conflict about, well, hey, you come down here and do this job rather than sitting in your office and telling me how to do my job. You know, it's it's... It's again how oh my so gosh. many of these positions work, you know. So oh my gosh, and you you can you can edit this you can edit this out if you want. Never, so. um, you say that but, to me. I'm keeping it in. I hope you know that. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay. Okay, but I mean, not going to mention names or places or anything like that. But um, it reminds me of my reminds me of my of my last of my last job where um, there was this one there was a manager of one of the teams who always said, you know, you know, I, I get it. I was one, I was once, I was once at the, I was once at the desk. I was once on the phones. I was once the one making the calls. So I get that it's frustrating, 
And on the one hand, you're like, yeah, I can see that. On the other hand, you're like, well, no. Are you dealing with these particular people right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then what? You think it's you think it's so easy? You come down here and deal. You come. You come. You you sit at this desk. You you make these calls and try to get. I don't know, six sales in a day when most of the people hang up on you or say, fuck you, I'm not interested. Yeah. And then, but even then, I guess kind of like, uh, you might argue, well, we don't know what it's like being in those bosses' positions. They've also got things that they've got to no. do. And they've got bosses who are telling them what to do to tell the people less. So it's kind of, it, there's always that chain of command where this, that, and everything else is happening. And, you know, like, I'm sure there are jobs out there that are run screwed. perfectly and it kind of all works in harmony, but then there are definitely a lot that doesn't. But yeah, I think kind of this ultimately is Doc standing up for the fact that, you know, he's not ashamed of what he did. Uh, he needed Carlos on that day and he's not going to let them make judgments. And he on did. It. Yeah. He really did. Yeah. He definitely did. And I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the people who were, I have no doubt that if, that, I mean, we don't know those. We don't know those people who are downtown now. We don't know them at all. We just know flashes of them. But I bet if they were on the, I bet if they were in Doc's position, I bet they would have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We get Davis and Sully a little bit here, where Davis is sort of talking to Sully about how he's going to get through the day, and Sully's kind of like, "Yes, right, we." Uh, Doc then back at the firehouse um, tells Carlos that he's going to be riding with him today, that he's got to get dressed. Carlos obviously thinks that, um, you know, this means that he's cleared completely, whereas Doc's obviously a little bit, uh, you know, hiding the fact that this doesn't necessarily mean this, that Carlos is still under investigation, as we will find out a little bit more yeah. in this episode. Um, it essentially then shows us uh, the firefighters. We've got uh, Jimmy. We've got Taylor. They're making some appearances. DK Walsh. We've got um, finally. Yep, we do. We've it's good Lieutenant- to see the. It's good to see all the firefighters. Lieutenant yeah. Johnson. We've got a bit of uh, backwards and forth here. That Jimmy's cooking mushroom meatloaf. Uh, they don't like it. I do love the way that Jimmy kind of goes to Johnson. You like my mushroom meatloaf, right? And he's just like, no, no. <laughs> uh, they're they're doing fire hydrant inspections. And then they drop that line of, could this day get any more exciting? There's a car crash, and then they say, apparently it can. And then we get the opening credits. Now, I will just say, going back to my point from a few episodes ago about how, you know, people are dropping on and off these uh, credits when they appear, no Sergeant Cruz this episode, so there's no Tia Tahada on this episode uh, credits. And I always kind of thought that she permanently stayed on there. She wasn't like a Chris Bauer and kind of only uh, appeared when was relevant to her being in the show. But nope, she's not on these credits yeah. at the moment. So nope. there you go. Um, we had the door opening after the credits. Bosco is showing up to see Yokus. She, he's there to apologize again, uh, sort of defending himself, saying you didn't need to be involved. And then this is, again, I said, what, last week or the week before in terms of uh, this show's continuity. However, now and then they do actually remember some things. Um, so Yokus turns around and says to Bosco, you know, partners don't lie to each other. And he kind of quips back with like you did with your abortion. Uh, so, like, that's some deep memories from a couple of seasons ago. Um, just as Emily shows up. Bosco leaves, and, um, yeah, it's kind of, again, setting us up, essentially, for this uh, long-term fall, isn't it, of these two, these partners, essentially, isn't it? Yeah. Adding the conflict. Yep, and it's, yeah. 
And I do conflict though. I mean, I do appreciate that they sort of bring up this sort of abortion bit again. The fact that yes, that was such a prominent storyline in season two with her lying to him, and kind of we went over that a lot in season two when it came to the the lying, the backwards yeah. and forth. And so, yeah, the fact that they can sort of bring this up and they do remember this a bit because this would definitely be one of these moments I think that you and I would be complaining about if this wasn't mentioned, like about how you know we never lie to each other, and it would kind of be like, well, hang on a minute, you're being a bit of a hypocrite, Yokus, because you did, but. It's she's kind of pulled up on her statement, isn't she? Kind of what? Pulled up on like her statement where she says, like, you know, partners don't lie to each other and this is where Bosco is like, Well, hang on a minute, you lied to me, so yeah. 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 And this was a complaint that a, that some fans had about had about had about faith, especially in the last The last, um, especially in season six, a lot of, I know of quite a few fans who complained about Faith's overall attitude. Mm -hmm. Said that she took on this, I mean, I think to some, I think to some degree she's always had it, but I think it becomes more pronounced in like season six. Some say she has this high and mighty moral high ground attitude. I mean, yeah, I can see it, but I think it's there. There are a few moments where you can question it, you know, like obviously what she did in season one with leaving a gangbanger to die, and then kind of you know, sort of having some questionable moments against what Bosco does and things like that. But I think for the most part, though, like honestly, a lot of what she stands for and how she kind of holds it is for the most part you can get behind. Like it's not like. I don't know how to say it. Like, with Bosco, there's a lot more questionableness to what he does and and other sort of, you know, like... Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, I see what you're saying as well. Like, it's it's definitely... This is where it's good to talk about and discuss because it allows us to have that conversation around it. Yeah, I mean, leaving the gangbanger to die in in responsible parties, (laughs) either one of them would have done that. Let's be real. Yeah. Um... So we have, uh, Sully, <laughs> lucky with his, you know, obviously that was my opening line, wasn't it? I lied to you, I don't feel like the life of the party. He mentions he's got a headache the size of Canada. Woo! Double mention of Canada in two weeks. Um, Davis goes to get him some aspirin, two bottles Sully wants. Can I say, that is the quickest I've ever seen someone go into a store, get aspirin by the time they're going to leave straight away. Like, he's in that store for two seconds. Uh, Davis stole that aspirin. Can I just point that out? <laughs> two two bottles of aspirin? I mean, come on. You're not going to take that much, are you, Sully? Um, they show up to the crash scene where this car is slammed into this building. The driver's impaled. There's a baby in the back, and uh, they've got to, I guess, rescue him from the car. Sully's got to control the crowd. Um, I do like how he says, like, oh, my headache's improving. It's gone from pounding to throbbing. Um, and yeah. Carlos shows up, uh, saying it's good to be back and that, uh, they're trying to rescue this kid. We have, um, Sully not knowing what to do with this bag of, uh, the, the family, I guess, um, of, uh, the, the mother, oh, not the, the baby. So Sully's got to ride with the baby back to the hospital. They give him the bag. And Sally doesn't know what to do with the bag, but then they're like, um, you should call that number on that bag because it's the mother's uh, number or anything like that. And we find out that the guy in the crash has got a warrant for his arrest because he's apparently kidnapped this little girl. 
So, uh, you know, setting the tone. But has he? Has he? Setting the tone of this episode. But has he? Uh, Doc, that is the question. Doc and Carlos uh, meet the mother of the baby at the hospital. Um, and everything looks to be going fine right now. The mother seems nice. Um, going to check on the baby. They, meanwhile, rescue the guy out of the car. Uh, I'm kind of gelling over a lot of this stuff because there's not a whole lot really to discuss yeah, around the rescue, is there? Right, right. They're just no, rescuing really a guy from a car who's impaled, who's apparently kidnapped a baby. Um, we have um, Sally talking to the mother of the baby who's essentially saying, like, hey, I don't want my husband anywhere near this baby. You know, I wanted to get him away from that. And again, it's sort of seeming okay right now. Sally says she'll give the mother some time alone with the baby, so walks outside. Um, and then we get Emily in a waiting room with some pretty weird-looking kids. Um, as Jokas says, they're from Rocky Horror Land. They're about to leave, but then um, Emily gets seen. Emily gets called one. back. Yeah. Cool, Emily Singer Counselor. Woohoo, this is the storyline I asked for. Um, the, the meanwhile, the dad is in the ambulance and they're all sort of, you know, a bit like, you know, treating him a bit mean because they think he's kidnapped this baby. We find out that he was rushing this baby to hospital because it swallowed some pills, which uh, apparently are really bad. They call up Sully to say about the baby. Uh, they say that the baby doesn't look sick. Uh, but it takes about 10 to 12 hours for the symptoms to be shown. How convenient. Um, and the woman, however, when Sally goes to check on the baby to make sure that she gets uh, an antidote for these uh, pills, the mother has left with the baby. Dun, 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 bum, bum, bum. Um, why would she have done this, Darvell? Why would she have left with her own baby? We'll find out. <laughs> that was the most anticlimactic thing I think I've we- ever done. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just being an idiot for you, Darvell. I'm making fun <laughs> of you. Um, so, yes. Anyway. We uh, find out. We're going to... Basically, we're finding out here more about what is happening. Davis shows back up to the hospital, has a bit of a go at Sully, and Sully's like, hey, this isn't my fault. You know, she left. I didn't know I was meant to watch her. And fair point. Sully wasn't told to keep her on guard. It wasn't like earlier this season when we had those magician people. Not magician. The magic shop you know that weird woman that was like bashing the other guy, and then Sally went to the oh, toilet. The, the, the evil, the evil, the evil truck. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't sort of the extent of oh, that. Those two, those two senile old, those two senile old people. Yeah. One of the, my favorite lines when Yoko's basically was like, "She could bite me. Don't bite her. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, don't bite him." Um, so we then kind of do a bit of a policing work here. We find out that she lived in the Bronx and she got there in about five minutes. So how was that possible? Uh, and we find out that she's a sister has got a, uh, space on 98th street nearby. So, uh, that is how she obviously got there a little bit. So they're going to go to her sister's house to find her to see if uh, she's there with the baby. Meanwhile, Yokus is in the waiting room reading a magazine saying that the country's gone down the drain because she's seeing all the stuff that's in the magazine. That's generally what people say when they listen to this podcast, except there's multiple countries involved. So I guess they say the world has gone to drain. Um, and Emily comes out and she's all happy. She wants another appointment. Yay, Emily's happy. Ugh, come on. <laughs> She took some drugs, she was in a coma, she's gone to see a psychiatrist or whatever, and now she's happy. So the moral of this story, kids, take drugs and maybe you'll see a happy counsellor and it'll make you happy. Uh, Wow, what a fine role model you are. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Um, Davis and Sully are out searching. 
Um, they go to the house of the sister's house and, uh, you know, calmly just say like, hey, we're not here to take the baby. You know, your baby took some pills. We need to get an antidote. Should mention that this, uh, wife, Miss McDonald is on, uh, some pills herself because she's got schizophrenia. So, uh, ultimately she hasn't been taking Except, meds. Yeah. She, she's, she's off her meds though. Yeah. So she's off her meds. So she's acting a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say crazy. That's probably inappropriate. Erratic. Erratic. Thank you. That is the politically correct term. Uh, and as much as I was crazy ripping on to Cruz's sister a few episodes ago of being a little bit outlandish when it came to, um, playing the drug. She role, sells, she sells this. Yeah. She's, I was, I don't know who the, I don't know who the actress is who plays the baby who, who plays Miss McDonald, but she sells this very well. Well, I was about to say, Amelia Campbell is who plays her. And, uh, yes, I agree with you completely. She's a very good actor and very believable in this role. So, uh, definitely well cast in this role is Amelia Campbell. And I have nothing but good things to say about her because she plays this very, very well. She's getting very erratic, as you said there, Darvell. Doesn't want to take the baby away. And then she basically says, I will set place to the whole, I will set fire to the whole place if you don't leave me alone. Uh, so Davis and Sally have to call this in. They've got a hostage situation. They call for everybody. For some reason, they call for fire. I'm assuming they call for them because she's threatening to burn the house down, perhaps. Um, yeah. Carlos shows up. He's happy. Uh, he sort of mentions to Doc that, uh, you know, he saw this as a stepping stone, but this is where he should have been the whole time. Kind of like this. We're starting to really get this now with Carlos where he's basically, you know, realizing that this should be his job not being a doctor. So, I mean, I've, I've been a bit mean on that storyline about how they sort of forget that Carlos wanted to be a doctor, but I guess there's enough mentioned there that we kind of see why Carlos eventually is satisfied with being a paramedic rather than going after his Yeah, and, and we concluded way back in season two when that was really, when we were really in the thick of that, we, we said back then that he would have made a terrible doctor. Yeah, well, definitely. That would have been a good sort of, you know, connection with ER then. He's kind of like transferring him over to Chicago or something like that. That would have been fun. Um, so just as Carlos, uh, just as Doc is, I guess, about to admit to Carlos the truth, uh, Carlos sees a woman on the roof, Mrs. McDonald with the baby, and needs to get an emergency message to PD55 Charlie. Um, and then this kind of cuts to Davis and Sully trying to get into the apartment. We've got like a super here, I guess, trying to get the keys and break in. Can I just say Davis is a real dick to this super? He's just basically like, come on, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So, um, yeah, it's kind of funny the way he sort of like rushes her, rushes her along, I guess, to do that. Um, yeah. And him along to do that. It's a, it's a, it's a he, Ben. Um, so Davis rushes outside, sees a woman standing on the ledge, and he's just basically trying to talk her down. Meanwhile, on the ground, they're putting a big inflatable uh, bag up in case she does fall. Uh, she's on the ledge. Uh, she's still threatening to jump, but then eventually Davis talks her into giving the baby up to Davis so they can give her the pills. Well, the pills to stop the other pills from working. And yeah. uh, then he's got to try and talk her down. But as he tries to talk her down, to grab her, he grabs her. She pushes him. He pushes her onto the roof. But Davis falls. He grabs onto the ledge. Sully essentially grabs him. They move the airbag in just in time. And then Sully drops Davis. But instead of dying a painful death, falling off a roof, he lands on a giant airbag. And uh, poor old yeah. Sully is a little bit uh, traumatized of this event. But hey, Davis survived a big fall there, Darville. Yeah, I mean, does does he does he drop him? Does he drop him on 
on on purpose or does or does he just lose his grip? No, he loses just grip. as the airbag is moved into L- position. Loses his grip. Loses his grip completely. And I feel as though, uh, and again, this is maybe a Kobe Bell question or a Skip Sardis question. Should they ever come on the show? Uh, it looks to me like this was a legitimate stunt. It looks to me like Kobe Bell actually was dropped from this roof onto the airbag. So. Um, yeah, uh, it doesn't look like a stunt double was used in this. So that would have been a bit of fun for Kobe Bell to, to fall from. I guess that was like, I don't know, it looked like about five or six stories high. So, um, yeah. Yeah, thereabouts. Bit of a. And as, and as, and as, as big, as big a guy as he is, that probably would have, probably would have popped the airbag. I don't know. No, well, I think kind of there, I guess they've got to be weight tested to an extent. Um, that they would know yeah. that that was, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that would have been tested and tried out. So that's why they did it. Yeah. Um, yep. and I, I actually, and I actually wondered, thanks for mentioning this. I actually wondered if, um, if not only, obviously I'm guessing when, when she handed the, when she handed Lauren, when, when Miss McDonald handed Lauren, the baby to, to Davis, um, he must've, pa- he must've passed her to Sully. Yes. Or something, because obviously he wasn't still holding her when he went over the edge. Well, I think there's somebody else up there that takes the baby away. So there's, like, another police person, because Sully doesn't obviously have the baby as he's grabbing onto Ty. So, right. Yeah. Happen- um, what ha- I wonder what happens to the... I wonder what happens to Mrs. McDonald. I mean, she's just never seen after that. So we don't... I mean, this is kind of one of those ones where it's kind of okay that they leave it a bit open-ended um nor is it nor is it ever said actually nor is it ever said whether or not lauren actually survives uh i mean lauren uh do you mean is it lauren the baby oh yeah uh i mean i assume it does um because i guess i think we do see a bit of a scene don't we with it maybe um or it's mentioned i'm pretty sure it's mentioned that it survives so yeah Again, Okita, somebody, Bob, let us know. We're we're obviously not paying a whole lot of attention here to what's happening. Um, meanwhile, Jokas and Emily, yay, they're back talking about Sandra, the woman, the counsellor. Uh, and this is obviously where Emily drops this line that is going to make uh, Jokas a little bit sad when she says it feels good to talk to someone I trust. And honestly, like, I feel like I'm ragging all the time here about Emily, but, I mean, that is a line that would hurt you. Like, if you're a parent and kind of, yes. you, know, you would assume your child trust you and uh for them to say that um we also learned that both emily and yokas hate beats so the things you know uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> whatever works yeah whatever i mean i hate beats too we call it beetroot in australia and i hate it so um yeah anyway good for people out there who like beats they're probably a bit mad that they are so discriminative against beats but whatever not everybody can like those disgusting things that they are um Davis doesn't want to go to the hospital, but he's told to go there. Sully uh, wants to apologise, but kind of just uh, hangs back and sort of says sorry under his breath as the dravy... Uh, the dravy? The the dravy? What's a dravy? The what? I have no idea. What the fuck is that, man? It's gravy mixed with a doctor, apparently. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they drive off, um, and, yeah, we get a bit of a sad music montage. We do, and this is where we see the baby. I knew we... I've written in my notes here. We see the baby getting checked up on. I knew we saw the baby still, so the baby's fine. Uh, we get a bit of, yeah, sad music montage okay. here. Um, and sort of it cuts between Emily and Jokus, and, uh, we see the sick Mrs. McDonald. We see, uh, Carla staring at his uniform. And then I really this, hope she got the help she needed. Then we see Sully, uh, not being able to cope with all this pressure. He gets a drink and he sits in his car and he, uh, 
yeah, not not good. Old Sully having some alcohol in the RMP. So uh, there you go. Um, Davis, meanwhile, signs out. Um, a, a has a bit of a chat with Mary. Mary has a nice little joke there, trying not to fall off any yeah, buildings don't fall on the way out. <laughs> yeah. And then Davis gets into the car and straight away can smell the alcohol and uh, goes off at Sully. Sully obviously is a bit upset that he dropped him, uh, dropped Davis, but Davis says, you saved my life. By you letting me fall, I fell onto the airbag, so you actually saved my life. Um, and this is where Sully sort of admits that he needed this drink to um, to sort of get by. So this really is setting I mean, this has kind of just come absolutely to the peak of... Davis has to do something, hasn't it? Because, you know, he's literally drinking right. on the job now. Yeah, you can't really go much further than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's ultimately... Down much further, I should say. Open the door for next week. Um, yep. Yokes is in bed. She's talking to Fred. Thought that Emily was somebody that she could trust. Fred is asleep. I really don't understand the point of this, but uh, I don't even think that actually is Fred, because Chris Bauer isn't on the credits. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's, if, if, if it is Chris Bauer, then for some reason he doesn't get credited just because he doesn't talk. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Um, maybe that's just how it works in Hollywood. Uh, who knows? Um, Sully, uh, is now, they're back in the locker room. Sully talking to Davis about getting checked out with the internal stuff. And basically Davis says, I just don't know what to do with you anymore. Um, you know, you drank on the job. Sully says, I'll never drink again. Davis is obviously like, that's not the last bottle in New York. Um, and then this is when Davis sort of drops that pretty powerful line when he says, you didn't let me down when you couldn't hold on to me. So, yeah, it's pretty... That's... That's a... Didn't let me down when you couldn't hold on to me. That's a pretty... I don't really know how to describe that. Powerful? Well, yeah, that, but... No. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. Never mind. It's fine. It's a, mo- it's a model of the show. We, no one knows when everyone's going with anything. But we, we kind of see a quick little scene here of Davis in on the phone. He's uh, sort of calling someone to speak to someone about, uh, you know, uh, his problem with his partner. Does he need to speak to a certain rep? But, um, yeah. And I think Sully overhears it. No. No, he doesn't. He's not there. He can't see it. So it's oh, okay. it's very, yeah, at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's it's reached the absolute peak and that uh, Davis has to do something about this. So, I mean, that's going to lead us into what we're going to get next week, and we'll obviously talk about that very soon. But, um, you know, you know shit's really Brilliant hit the fan episode. when Davis essentially has got nothing else to do here, but, uh, yeah, call call out and, um, yeah, get some help from him. Well, I'm putting, yep. putting Darvell to sleep. Never mind, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> no, you're not putting me to sleep. Just the listeners, that's all right. right. Uh, so we've got our final <laughs> scene here. Um where Doc sort of confronts, uh, Carlos confronts Doc and just says, like, look, thank you. Uh, you know, we've had a testy relationship and when it counted, you were there for me, you know, thank you. And I mean, it's such a nice little scene between these two. Again, it's kind of just this up and down and roller coaster course, relationship between these and two. It, and then it leads into, yeah, a and then phone of course, call. you know, something has to happen to spoil that moment. Yeah, which leads into this phone call where, Doc answers it and we find out that, uh, essentially the department, I've decided to settle with the West family, the family that, of course, of the girl who have accused Carlos of uh, assaulting yep, her. Nicole. And as part of it being uh, settled, they've required that Carlos uh, be terminated. So this is where we learn that poor old Carlos has actually been fired 
and that despite what he thinks, and just at the exact moment when he feels that he's worked out what like he wants to do, that he's satisfied place. with his job, he's found his place, he is indeed being fired. End episode, fade out, sad music. Uh, I mean, look, it's three episodes in a row now where we've kind of had a very strong ending, hasn't it? Um, yes. Not maybe top five worthy as much as the last two endings of the episodes, but, uh, I mean, you definitely feel for Carlos here, don't you? Yeah, and... I mean, and I am. Does it does it sh- does it show him right after Doc delivers that news, or yeah, he we- kind of just sits down and kind of slumps down in a chair. So yeah, he's got to go downtown the next morning. We should mention to get fired, essentially. So um, yeah, but I mean, again, like it's, we we keep talking about this, how this would play out differently in 2018 to this now, but it's just so fascinating that it, this part would, this part would probably still happen in 2018. Oh, I, this part would happen. The, the point is, is that like, we're, we're sympathizing with Carlos here. We're not sympathizing with Nicole. So it's kind of like, this would be completely reversed in 2018. This would be the scene of justice is served. Whereas, now it's kind of, oh no, we feel sorry. And look, again, I'm not getting into the whole debate around what happened and what we saw what happened. It didn't happen. It was a, you know, Carlos did not assault this girl. But at the end of the day, it's still it just, this would be completely different today, as we keep saying. But that, may, I'll, I'll say this though, and maybe I said this back when that storyline first started. Carlos didn't, but maybe or maybe not. Someone else could very well be. Yeah, well, and we will obviously get to some more of that kind of as, you know, because this storyline, spoiler alert, isn't over. So we'll uh, get to that. But uh, nope. Letting Go is the episode title. Letting Go, we've done, we've talked about it. We're going to let go of Letting Go. Uh, I keep saying Letting Go, apparently. Uh, Davel, what are we doing with this? Are you <laughs> buying, renting, or bidding? We... We are we are buying this one. Well, I am. I don't know about you. Uh, I am doing the same. I agree. I think it is a buy. I think it's uh, got enough in it that uh, definitely makes it one that uh, is worth spending some moolah on. So uh, I definitely think that uh, it is worthy of a buy, which is good that we've had two buys in a row. It's been a while. Um, but I will say that on the grand scheme of where I have ranked this... Uh, I have ranked this as 52nd out of 83 episodes. And I will just say last week, I didn't mention where I put 1013. Uh, and I put that at, if I can find it on my list, at 44 out of 83. So there you go. Just uh, sort of middle of the road buys, if that makes sense. Um, yep, there we go. Yep, yep we got indeed. it. But uh, speaking of middle-of-the-road buys, next week definitely isn't one of them. Uh, I'm just putting it out there right now. No, this, it's high on the list. This will be a top-ten episode. List. This will definitely be a top-ten episode. Could it be a top-five episode? Who knows? Last Call, uh, such an amazing episode. Scott, Scott Williams, you've redeemed yourself. Well, in all, fa- in all right fairness, now. he um, only wrote 50% of this episode, uh, Darvell, and Alan Bonero. Also co-wrote this episode, so please don't give all the praise to Scott Williams. Um, he probably just wrote the words Third Watch, episode 18 on it, and he got credits for it. Um, yes, uh, what an episode. I mean, we're going to be spending a good hour praising Skip Sardis and nothing more. We're going to be complaining about the fact that he didn't even get nominated for an Emmy for this episode. Um, yeah, but what else is new? We know this show didn't get a lot of recognition. Just, just so much good about this episode that it's just, it's praise, praise, praise. This has been a very short episode for us, but it doesn't matter because next week, even if it's short, you know it's because it's good. All that aside though, I will say, that out of all the praise I will give next week and how much I love next week's episode and how much it will be one of the best Uh episodes of Third Watch, there is one moment that makes me very angry 
that is a huge plot hole that goes absolutely nowhere. So there's one moment, though, Darvell, that we have to criticise, and that won't stop it from being a brilliant episode, but we can't be Third Watch fans knowing where this show goes with a certain storyline without us ripping a big one into a massive plot hole that they leave open next week. So that's one thing I will say. But, yeah, anything you want to add on Last Call? I'm curious to know what you're talking about. I might have to rewatch that episode tonight in preparation for when... Okay, at the time of recording this, I might have to watch this episode tonight in preparation to when we record our coverage of it tomorrow to kind of get an idea of what you're talking about there. You will find out. Trust me. Trust me. As will everybody else listening to this show and uh, look forward to it. It's going to be a good one. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe. All the relevant channels are on Instagram. I don't mention that enough. We're on there as well. And iTunes, uh, podcast app on Google Play Store. All the fun parts where you can get it. Leave us some feedback. Give us some ratings. We want to hear from you. And we appreciate your support. Come on. We know you're out there. We appreciate your support wherever you are listening to us around the world, around Australia, New Zealand, the US, Canada, China, Azerbaijan, Antarctica, wherever you are. My name name is Ben, and that's great. Bozo wants me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My name's Darvell, and as always, thanks for tuning in, peeps, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. <laughs>